You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Well, I wonder if you have ever experienced that gardener's frustration when something is eating at your plants and you cannot figure out what it is. Now, I think this should probably come with a disclaimer because I'm certainly by all means not much of a gardener, but our basil has been completely overtaken lately by something. Anyway, we discovered it to be caterpillars. And in this instance, these frustrating little caterpillars don't stay caterpillars forever. I think we kind of all know that. They end up as a butterfly sooner or later. But it takes a bit of time for this process to happen. It doesn't happen overnight, not instantly. It can take anywhere from one month to a year for a caterpillar or for a butterfly to end up in its full process from the beginning to the end and this total transformation that occurs as it goes from a caterpillar to changing all its organs and creating a new structure, a new bodily structure to becoming a butterfly. And that's a total transformation that happens. And there's something pretty impressive when an object totally transforms from one thing to another, right? We're so drawn to stories of that. But there's also something incredibly powerful when small changes happen over time to build up to be a larger, more significant transformation or change. And God is in the business of transforming the world as he transforms our lives and as he transforms others around us. So to paint a bit of a picture of where we're going today, we're looking at transformation God's way. We're looking at transformation in Madagascar, and I'm sure you're very excited to hear a number of those stories of our team and the trip. And we're also going to look at transformation in us. But before we dig into that, I want us to turn to John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. For no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me you can, uh, I, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I think in the, in the context of Northside and where we're at as a church right now, it might seem a little bit strange to suddenly shift gears and start talking about Madagascar when we've been talking about vision and, and where God might be leading us in the future. But I think it's God's humor or maybe divine purpose that we're actually talking about it today. Because what we're going to share today, I see as a bit of a case study of the potential that God has to use Northside in this world and the potential that is out there for us to influence the world and not just around the world, but even our own neighborhoods right here. 
Well, transformation God's way can look differently in a number of different things. It obviously is a part of change is a part of transformation when many small things build up to be a more significant change. And of course, in this in saying this, we don't discount that God is a God of miracles and that anything can happen and significant changes can happen overnight. But as we've just read in this passage, connectivity is so important when it comes to the transformation that God wants to do. The vine and the branches, it says about six times in that passage to remain in me. And we know that that requires um, discipline, it requires perseverance, it requires determination to cling to God and allow him to work in that. But it's the Holy Spirit that is in us that works that transformation out. As for the heart, the heart is spoken of throughout the Bible as a significant part of what God is all about. He's there to transform our hearts, to work in our hearts. And in Proverbs 4 verse 23, we read that the heart is the wellspring of life. And in Matthew 12 verse 34, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So transformation is the result of an overflow. It's from the inside out. It's not from the outside in when it comes to God. And there are endless examples of things in our own lives that bring about transformation, whether that's large or small or things that are unseen or things that are seen. And in this case, the trips that we take to Madagascar are a perfect example of how God wants to grow us and how he stretches us, he challenges us, and he even transforms us and others on that journey. So we're going to share a number of different stories this morning, but I believe that God's got a bigger message beyond just these stories. He's got a message for us as a church and for us individually that he's woven through all of this is how we are a vitally important part of God's plan and prospering our city. We heard about that a few weeks ago and prospering our nation and in prospering our world. So I want to frame that up with that lens this morning as we hear the stories. But we've got a little video clip um, that shows you a bit of a snapshot of the things that we um, did this year. So why don't you take a look at the clip? Well, I've brought a few of the team along this morning. Um, If you haven't yet met these guys, we've got Karen Armstrong over here, Graham John, Rachel Kearns and Richard Gray. And they were part of our team um, this year. Well, when it comes to transformation in Madagascar and what in the world that might look like, I want to just stop and um, remind ourselves a bit about Madagascar and paint the backdrop of that. So it's the fourth largest island in the world. It's the same size as France and the same size as Texas. It's pretty huge. 90% of the population live on less than $2 a day and 80% on less than $1 a day. So it is among the top 10 poorest countries in the world. 50 million, I'm oh, sorry, 50% of children um, under the age of five die, die from diarrhea or malnutrition. And 2 million children under the age of 15 are working and not in education. That's about 10% of the population. So we get a pretty grim picture when we, when we start to look at the statistics of that. But because transformation doesn't happen overnight, that's why I love that we've been consistently going back to the same place. We've been able to start to see some of the bigger picture of mission and what God is doing in this context. And if we didn't have this privilege, we would totally miss the developments and the things that God is up to in this nation. 
And that's not to say that to be incredibly proud of what we've done or beat up our chests or blow our own trumpets, but that is incredibly humbling when we stop and see how we've been faithful and obedient to what God has asked us. And then through that, seeing the power of God at work, that is pretty incredible. And our partnership with CSM is a relationship, so it's not something we just build overnight. We all know we don't become best friends overnight, and suddenly that's something that is ongoing too. And each time we go back, we get to know a little more about the team. But it's time for a few stories, and we've got so many, but there are a few individuals um, that we want to share with you um, this morning. And Graham, why don't you start with sharing a bit more about Tuki? I've, I've shared it a few weeks um, back when we first came back from Madagascar, but why don't you tell us a bit about Tuki? Sure, Sarah. So on the screen, there's Tuki uh, up there at the moment. First heard about Tuki downstairs in Kids Church, and uh, Sarah floated the idea of uh, giving the offering towards his hearing aid. So the kids loved that, and that was an idea that we, we, we ran with. Uh, and then when we got to Suave, I, I'd totally forgotten about Tuki. I said to Sarah, what about Tuki? We, um, we're going to get to meet him. And then when we got back to Tanner, we did meet him, and he got his hearing aid. And it wasn't just – we weren't just giving him a hearing aid. And when I say we, this is Northside, we were giving him a life, a new, a new life. And I think speaking about transformation – it was amazing to see the transformation in him, just how happy he was and all the nuances of that. But the best transformation is probably the transformation that we're not going to see. And that is, whether it be 10 years' time, 20 years' time, the transformation that the impact of that hearing aid ongoing is going to have in his life and those around him. He's such a smart kid. And I yeah, think, totally. Yeah, I think Brendan was even saying he would go to um, say goodnight to Tuki and say, hope you sleep well. And he's there reading his Bible and praying out loud. And he's got a real heart for God. And he's a very smart kid. And to have that opportunity now ahead of him to excel in education and um, dreams and hopes for a future is certainly very exciting. He's had a hard background. His parents passed away when he was quite young. So what a privilege for him to be in the children's home and with now be able to hear properly and interact with others. Um, Karen, you had a real um, connection with uh, one of the girls, Patricia, and her and her brother, Patricia in Kenya, they had a really hard story. Do you want to tell us a bit more about them and what you saw in them when we were there? I guess um, one of the most important things I saw was this incredible eagerness and intelligence and coming forward in all the people and all the children that we worked with. And you mentioned what a privilege it is like to be able to give and be part of that is an amazing privilege because we weren't strangers and foreigners. We were fellow members of the household of God, you know, with Jesus Christ at the cornerstone. And so our relationships with those children, they accepted us and came up to us warmly. And when I was doing the gardening, I was carrying these quite heavy wheelbarrow loads of bricks. And Patricia, who's 10, she'd come and insist on wheelbarrowing that load of bricks for me. And she'd do it time and time again. And then in running the craft classes, she was there so eager, so intelligent, so ready to do everything. And the one English word that she knew more than anything else was yes. So when I'd say to her, Patricia, would you do this? She'd go, yes. And I'd say, Patricia, could you hand out those things? Yes. Could you help the little children? Yes. She was just so willing. And when I found out about her background, like when we saw the poverty and 
all the tragedy and despair and everything, like I felt quite okay. But when I found out about her background, like the things that we read about, my skin just sort of crept to think about the sexual exploitation of children. And, you know, I cry to think about she's been saved. She's been saved from that life. And through what Northside and CSM are doing, she's got a real chance to be one of God's masterpieces. So true. They were living in a rubbish dump and suave and um, was very sexually abused and didn't have parents. And to be rescued to a point of a family and a home and a, a hope and a future, that's so inspiring, so inspiring to hear those stories. And they, they're just so grateful. They want to do everything. They want to make the most of their new opportunity that's been given to them. And what a privilege for them to be in that place right now. Yeah. <laughs> Richard, um, there was a guy called Odilon that you had a bit to do with, um, and he has a story too. Why don't you yes, tell us about Yes, it? he has a story. Um, yeah, it's a real privilege to um, testify about this young man. Um, you can see that beautiful face, the smile, um, but it wasn't always like that for him. And um, he is the son of Solange, who um, works for CSM. And they had a very abusive father, um, so a very, very difficult um, domestic situation. The father left. Um, and unfortunately, there was a period of time when um, uh, Odilon really kind of followed his father's ways. So he got into um, um, alcohol and, and basically a very angry and um, uh, hurt young man. And um, however, um, he is now transformed. He... Um, has come along to uh, work for CSM and he his job really is to uh, get up earlier than we were getting up to get the building work started. Um, so all of a sudden he's gone from this very abusive background to having uh, enthusiasm, joy and purpose in his life and that that is real transformation and it's just, uh, just, yeah, just beautiful to witness. Yeah, he was so joyful and it was always a privilege to work with him. And so he's only 16 years of age and the opportunity that he's got to be a future leader of CSM and that organisation, it's incredible to see and to know the transformation that he has been through and that he will continue to go through. Rachel, there was a boy in that video clip that weighs heavy on our hearts. <laughs> we, um, yeah, he came to the medical clinic that you and Shannon and Brendan were running. Um, why don't you tell us a bit more about him? Yeah, I think it was the, the second or third day of our medical clinics and um, we'd had quite a good morning actually. And uh, this young boy, who was about 14, was brought in um, incredibly unwell, incredibly malnourished. His name was Haja. Um, and... We asked what was wrong and they, they directed us that his leg was, you know, not well in some way. Anyway, we had a look at it. It was about three times the size of his other one, of his other thigh. So he had some sort of infection going on and we just, um, yeah, he was obviously in a lot of pain, silent, but in a lot of pain you could just tell he'd been suffered. He'd really suffered over the last few weeks. Anyway, we arranged for him to go to hospital in Suave um, and Odilon and Sean actually accompanied him. Um, and then we found out he needed to be transferred to another hospital for treatment. And this was a real, a very confronting situation for us. We'd had a quite, not an easy time, but things had gone really well. We'd had some great experiences. We're on a bit of a high. We're halfway through our work in Suave and then this happens. And pretty much we had to make a decision about his medical treatment. And um, there are a lot of, and you sort of think, oh, just give him the money, just go, you know, let's do it. But there are a lot of other factors at play. Um, he was very unwell. 
um, it was possible he could lose his leg and just the impact of that, uh, that disability on himself, his family, CSM and that ongoing care that could have been needed. Um, and also he was, he was very unwell and we just didn't know what the outcome would be. Um, anyway, I just remember we prayed about this. We were all very confronted, quite emotional about it. Um, this was, I guess, life in Madagascar. Like it was, it was raw and it was real and it was hard. Um, but I remember talking to Luger about it and I'm Sarah and I went and chatted with him about and just said to him, this is what could happen. We could do this and the outcome might not be good. Uh, you know, this could have an ongoing impact for CSM and the family. And, um, and he said, this is what we do. This is what we do for people. And um, I remember tears coming to my eyes and, um, and he said, I think you are here for, to help this boy. And um, so that's what we did. We sent him to hospital. Um, he got treatment. Um, and as far as I know, he's doing, doing quite well. So it's, it's good. <laughs> it sure is good to hear that. And uh, I was blown away by those comments. Luva said, <clears throat> this is what we're here for. We're here to help people. And to believe that we came to Madagascar to help that child was quite powerful for us to know that we were there at the right moment, to be in that moment, to be a part of that transformation and we could release some money to help him out. And he is doing well, which is very exciting to hear. And some of those stories come with a bit of a heaviness of heart. But I do hope that you capture the joy and the hope that is in those transformations that those children and that those people now have as a result and will continue to grow um, as CSM does incredible things um, with those people. And the next question I want to throw out there is, um, I guess, in light of all this transformation and that we, we sometimes don't see uh, um, the process and the journey behind the big moments, um, I wonder if there was ever a time in Madagascar when you were serving the people when you realised that what you were doing was um, of a far bigger impact than what you were doing right there, whether that was something practical or spiritual or emotional, maybe you caught a glimpse that this was going to be a part of something greater to come, or maybe you saw right then and there the impact of what that meant um, for, for the people that you were serving. Richard, I think you um, might kick off this one. <laughs> yeah, I had some amazing experiences. Um, there's me in my pink shirt, which got lost. <laughs> um, anyway, um, those beautiful kids that you can see, um, we had so much fun together. I was teaching them some kind of basic science experiments, um, and they were so excited because um, teaching's a two-way process. You know, you, you, you get feedback from kids that are learning and appreciating what you're doing. But you can also see um, their joy in learning as well. And that's what I experienced, which I don't always experience in the classroom over here. Um, but most of the stuff that they, they used uh, in their experiments were bought in a variety store. It's absolutely incredible. And they were so excited because they haven't got any resources at all. And I found out that in their local schools, they don't do any practical work at all. They just learn by theory. So when they were able to do something um, practical, they, they just loved it. They just went for it. And uh, I don't know if Louver's in that picture, but he was more excited than the kids. And um, I guess being able to connect with him through that was, was very special because after every lesson he'd come up to me and he'd ask me all about the science behind it. And he was learning as well. So um, I'm, I'm going to be sending over some resources and suggestions for him to continue that. But I feel that going into the future, there's, there's something that needs to be done around education. I'm not sure what it is. But I know, know God wants uh, to work in that area. So, 
Um, yeah, so there's, there's one more thing. And I was involved in the building program as well. And um, being able to do things like build walls and things that I didn't think I'd be able to do until you're actually there and God kind of enables you. And it's just amazing what you can do when you trust in God. But, but I want to talk about the building workers because none, none of them were Christians apart from Odilon. And um, so um, what came to me very, very strongly was that we were working alongside Graham and, and uh, Sandy and Sean alongside these building workers whose experience of Western people would have been quite dictatorial in their cultural past. But we were there as servants. We were there alongside them. And I'm sure that God's uh, used that uh, very powerfully. And uh, it was wonderful to, to work with them. So, yeah. Such a demonstration of God's love when we can just simply serve and come alongside them and support them and show them that they're valued. Yeah. Rachel, what about you? Was there a time of you felt something that you were doing had either had a direct impact or was a part of a more significant impact, perhaps in the future? Yeah, um, yeah one of the things we did as a <coughs> sorry um, as a medical team was um, some first aid classes in the afternoons. Um, we did four of these, and we just really had no idea what to expect. We'd never done it, and we thought there was going to be about four people turn up. <laughs> well, we got there on the Monday, and uh, about twenty people <laughs> turned up, and mostly they were young people. There were some um, older adults as well, um, but just amazing their eagerness to learn whatever they could. They, and they turned up. I think it was only two that didn't turn up every day. Um, just ready, on time, ready to go. And um, it was interesting because I, I thought one day, wow, there's a youth centre over there just being built and these guys are working on that. And that is just just to see these people who are so engaged and so enthusiastic about learning um, as young people, just to see that youth centre being built and knowing the impact that's going to have, not just for that immediate community but surrounding communities. They came from everywhere. They were, came and walked a long way to spend time in that classroom, and that's just a, a random class. So to have something ongoing, having a, an ongoing impact in the community is going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah sure is. And we raised funds for that youth centre last year, and we saw it um, well on the way to being completed. It should be completed soon or early next year. And that, was, as you say, that's such a perfect insight of the potential that that youth centre has to resource, to educate, to equip people um, across the villages in that area. It's something quite phenomenal that... CSM are going to have the privilege of doing in the future. And with all of these stories that we've just shared, there's always a before and an after. And I want to draw us back to before Northside came along. And you can see the picture on the left there. That's what Suave looked like before Northside even began to partner with CSM. And on the right, you can see where um, the village is at right now. And off to the left in the far background of that image is the youth centre being constructed. And in the video clip, there was a bit of footage that showed um, the area of Suave. And wow, what a difference that is. <laughs> what an incredible gap that is and the, the part that we have played in that. And as, again, as I said, it's not to make ourselves feel better about ourselves or pat ourselves on the back about doing something. This is just to remind us what God is really up to. And it's not just the buildings, it's the people, the stories that we've heard and and um, the privilege that it is to come along and be a part of that transformation. Well, this year we raised a grand total of $33,661.65. Isn't that incredible? With a goal of 15000 yeah. I'll say. Quite remarkable. 
And we thank you for your generosity and the part that you've played. And this is why this is such a privilege for us to share these stories, because they're not our stories. They're your stories as much as they are ours. And so you'll see the 15000 there and where that's allocated to. And that has all been transferred to CSM. That's their money allocated to those areas and is already um, in action in those areas. But you might be wondering what happened with the rest of the money. <laughs> there was a lot of extra. Well, this was an interesting conversation we had with Brendan because he could have sat down and written a list of a million different things that we could have given to right then and there. But... <laughs> CSM are at a real turning point organisationally, and they're not just a small organisation anymore. And so Brendan's going through the process at the moment of setting up a, a clear business plan for the next chapter. And so he didn't want to rush into spending the money in different areas until that was finalised. And we were kind of like, okay, that's very wise, makes sense. And at this time, we were listening to the podcasts that Sam was preaching here. We were listening to them back in Madagascar. And of course, he was preaching on wisdom and not rushing into the next chapter, but seeking God's guidance. And that was a very clear affirmation for us in that, that um, Brendan had chosen to sit on that money until um, it becomes clear as what the next chapter is. So that's where that's at. Northside has those funds. They haven't been given to CSM until we finalise what they're for, but that's the up update of where the funds are at and we'll most certainly keep you posted um, about when that does get clarified. But there was one thing um, that they were really in need of and that was a concrete mixer. They're well in the con process of constructing the youth centre but they're doing it all by hand and mixing it all up. So we did agree to put $2,000 towards a concrete mixer that will really help them as they complete that building. But the incredible thing about all these missional experiences is not only God transforms the world around us, not only he um, uses us to be a part of that process, but he also transforms our own lives. And one of the greatest paradoxes exists in service, that when we step out to serve others, to put others first, we leave so much richer. And God is always at work at us, whether we see it or we don't even realize what he's doing. He might just be tweaking an attitude in us or shaping our heart and preparing us for what's to come in the future. More often than not, he is creating those small changes in our lives, preparing us for what's to come. And it's those smallest um, changes that lead to the more significant aha moments or a greater understanding of our calling or our purpose or our job or whatever that might be. God is always working. So we can never underestimate the significance of those smaller things as well. So I want to ask you guys, in light of all of this, what God taught you about himself while you were in Madagascar? Perhaps Richard, do you want to yeah, sure. throw that one out there? Yeah, there were two things that um, stuck out for me. One was God's great faithfulness, um, just in so many ways, uh, both personally and corporately, I guess, um, just so many answers to prayer. And um, just in those challenging times, he was there as a strength um, for us. And, um, yeah, knowing that he's got a plan and nothing's going to stop that plan from unfolding. And, um, yeah, just his never-changing uh, nature of, of him as a, as a faithful God. And secondly, um, really something that hit me um, is that when we go on mission, particularly to Madagascar, and uh, the fact that he has an infinite capacity to love all people, just um, just being there with those people that you've never met before, yet um, him working through us is a real heart connection 
And we don't know them well in a human sense, but we know them well through a heart sense and there's a real connection. And when I see pictures there, it just wants me to go <laughs> go back there straight away and, and uh, reconnect. But um, yeah, and that this love really transcends culture. Um, yeah, so... It's quite remarkable, isn't it, when you have those experiences and you realise people are the same the world over. No matter what they have or don't have, we're still people, right? <laughs> and then what a privilege it is to see God at work in that way. What, do, what about you, Karen? What did God teach you about himself while you are in Madagascar? Well, I wasn't sure whether to go or not, and I had lots of doubts because I live a cosy, comfortable, lower North Shore life, and I worried about my cups of tea and that kind of thing. And so I spoke to Shannon, and she said that her previous trip was one of the most meaningful experiences of her whole life. And it turned around to not so much as why should I go, but why shouldn't I go? Like, what reason is there not to go? I want to serve God. And when I was there, I was just so grateful that I'd made that decision. Every single day I woke up and I saw these fabulous people and all those fabulous people to work with. And I thought, oh my God, what if I had stayed at home in Cremorne? I would be regretting this every single minute of that day. So I'm just so grateful that God helped me to make that decision to go. And when I was there, because we were doing practical things and it was fantastic, you know, construction, science, gardening, medicine, self-defence. We were doing real frontline practical things, not necessarily, you know, Christian things. And I thought, how can I take God's word into this? How can I go and do my profession but take God's message with me? And so I heard at one of the first medical clinics, Brendan Singdale announced to the hundred or so people waiting, to, he said, God has sent us here. God has sent these people. So every time that I'd start teaching, and I had the privilege of teaching six self-defence classes, it was fantastic, with my trusted assistants, um, who's, you know, going to take the show on the road now. But what I would start by saying is to the really willing people who are gathered there, wondering what on earth are we going to teach them, I'd say to them, you might wonder why we are here God has sent us here. And I remembered those verses from John, I chose you, I appointed you to go out that you should bear fruit and your fruit should abide. So that's been just going and being there was the best decision that I made. That's awesome and awesome to see how God um, rewarded your faithfulness and your obedience to him in that way and what he taught you in that. Well, what about um, you, Graham, but I'd um, keen to know not so much about what God taught you about himself, but what God taught you about yourself, whether that be in regards to your calling or your character or anything that God might have shown you about yourself in Madagascar. Okay, so excuse me. Uh, earlier this year I made a decision to uh, take a career change, but I was really on the fence with that because I've been blessed enough to work in an industry where uh, financially it's very rewarding. But I, I just knew that God has given us all gifts. Uh, we hone our talents and our skills. I just remember in, in Madagascar, working alongside uh, some of the youth and the kids and just the remarks that were given by several people. I, I went home, I went, went back to the accommodation and I, I just dropped on the mattress on the floor and I just prayed to God and God, if this is your will, if this is what you want me to do, please, please let it be known to me. 
And he did. And that practically looks like now changing career into a teaching career. And I'm so excited about that for 2015. I think that's also why Rich and I have a pretty good uh, friendship and there's quite a few things in common there. But God's just been so faithful to me and a lot of what I have done has been for the glory, and I don't like saying this, but for the glory of my bank account. And I really, and Sam sort of talked about this, I think last week in the work, talking about work. It really doesn't matter what we do, but let it be for the glory of God. And God, God delights in that we are mandated to work. So that's the decision and the calling that I really got from Madagascar. And that's a huge thing to be, to be changing that. But I am super excited about it because I also know the theme of transformation and serving how that's going to look in the years to come to lots of people. Super excited. It's really cool. It's not every day everyone who comes to Madagascar gets a career change, just by the way. (laughs) But that's awesome, just how God used that opportunity to reaffirm that calling in you and where he wants you to end up. And cool that you've taken that on and who who knows what's ahead, hey? What a snapshot of the context of Madagascar and the way that God has used us as a church family to bring transformation to those people in that nation. And I get so excited when I hear stories of transformation and not just in Madagascar, whether it's someone who's in, who's, um, in Madagascar who's, um, in poverty and has offered a new opportunity and a new future, or even if it's a Baptist youth who gives their life to Christ and wants to be baptised, or the privilege for us as a church to give gifts and Christmas goodies to the Housing Commission in Glebe, whatever it might be. Or maybe it's your neighbours or your work colleagues or your schoolmates or whatever it might be. It's so exciting hearing these stories of what God is doing through us. And I hope that these stories we've shared today have been a real encouragement to you, um, that you can take some of this back into your context this week. Because as Graham mentioned, no matter where God has called you, whether you're retired, you're a mother, you're an executive, whatever God has put you in, there's people around you that he wants you to influence and he wants you to be showing your love and that can, his loves. That can be as simple as just getting to know them, having a conversation, building that relationship and one thing leads to another, to another, to another and who knows what God's got in store for you and who knows what he, he wants to do through you. And love over time brings a unique understanding of who God is. Words over time bring value, identity and purpose. But time over time is not just history, it's a legacy. So I wonder what God is wanting to do through you this week. Who might he be sending you to this week? And what legacy might he be asking you to leave in the people of the lives that you encounter this week? But what about for Northside? (laughs) There is so much that God could do through us and so much potential. And as Sam's been taking us through this journey, it's not about us suddenly becoming all missional. If we're a gospelized community, that's going to overflow from what we do. There's a couple of quotes here I want um, to share with you. Just show us a bit about how God has designed a gospelized church to be. The church is not the sender, but the one sent. Its mission, its being sent, is not secondary to its being. The church exists in being sent and in building up itself for the sake of its mission. And missionary activity is not so much the work of the church as simply the church at work. 
whether it's Madagascar, Bathurst, Glebe, any number of different things, your community, your context, that is the church at work when God is at work through us. And so in this season of our church, I hope that you're becoming aware and passionate about what God has called us to do on this earth. And there is so much potential for us to be a church of influence in this city, in this nation, and in our world and to be influential for God's kingdom. So if this is just a case study, if this north side of Madagascar is just a case study of what God can do through us, then I can't wait to see what he's going to continue to do through us as a church in the years ahead. Imagine in 20 years' time what north side could look like as we are a part of um, bringing God's love and light and hope to the world around us. There is so much potential, isn't there? Well, why don't you join me in thanking the Madagascar team, or some of them, for sharing this morning. We've certainly been inspired by what you've shared, and um, we'll take that away with us. But why don't we pray?